The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to a special bonus issue of the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for Green Lantern fans. Hey, guess what, everybody? In this issue... <laughs> in this issue, we've got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, Rodrigo and I just got in the mail today. This is one of the benefits of being at the Stately Spoiler Manor. Mm-hmm. We just got in Green Lantern First Flight, the new uh, DC Universe animated original movie. Ooh, Green Lantern. We sat down, we sat down and watched it in the home theater, and we're going to bring you an early review. The thing doesn't come out until the 28th. It debuts this week at the San Diego Comic-Con, I believe, on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. So depending on when you're listening to this, <laughs> it may be a little late for you. So where do you want to start, Rodrigo? The beginning or the end? Um, I guess the beginning. Okay, so the beginning of this movie. Now, Matthew, I don't know if you have your Green Lantern showcase near you at all. Always do. But how far in into- my brain? <laughs> how far into that first issue did Hal Jordan meet Abin Sur and become Green Lantern? Oh, maybe five pages. Really, five pages? Because in this movie, even before the opening credits, Green La- uh, Hal Jordan becomes Green Lantern. Yeah. Cool. Now, for those of you that have been up to the Majorspoilers.com website, you've seen that four-minute preview or whatever that we've had up on the site. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the first four the, minutes of the movie. It, it really is. Absolutely. And it's not cut. It's not edited. Nothing. It is straight, pure. Hal Jordan is in the flight simulator. He's trying to hit it up with Carol Ferris. Uh, Abin Sewer's ship crashes, yanks Hal Jordan out of the simulator, gives him the ring. You are You are the Green Lantern. Uh, the Guardians will be contacting you. And then without any, you know, when we reviewed, what was that, uh, Green Lantern origin story that we reviewed, like on issue four or something of the Major Spoilers podcast, do you remember mm-hmm. that? In mm-hmm. that issue, man, it took him a while to figure out how to use his powers. But even before the opening credits, he's figured out how to give himself a mask so no one under uh, recognizes who he is. He's going back to uh, Ferris. What is it? What's the Ferris Aircraft? Is Ferris that it is? Aircraft. Ferris Air. And he's, uh, you know, playing playing the dumb guy uh, mm. with his dual identity. And then right after the opening credits, he's being approached by Green Lanterns. Which was your reaction to that, Rodrigo, was pretty. Yeah, I was like, wow, they they wasted no time. And that's both a good and a bad thing, I think. I, I think it's a good thing because then we didn't have to waste, you know, a half hour of story time. This is only 77 minutes. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to waste a half hour of story time figuring out how he became Green Lantern, how he got his powers, all of those uh, great and groovy things that, you know, a, a lot of audiences are already going to know. Mm-hmm. Then we get introduced to three Green Lanterns. We get introduced to Akilawog, mm-hmm. Boudica, mm-hmm. and Sinestro, who is still with the Green Lantern Corps. Right. Flying back to Oa, which looks nothing like any of the Oas that we've seen in the comic books. Maybe a like little maybe. bit. Yeah, um, maybe a little bit. Um, we're kind of quickly rushed through the history of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the Guardians don't want to give an Earthling a, a power ring. Because Earthlings are smelly. <laughs> yes, they are smelly. I did have... Uh, 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 
Chinese food today, so you better watch out, Rodrigo. Gross. That stuff repeats on me. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's information that even I didn't need to know. But Sinestro says, hey, wait a minute, Guardians. Why don't you put him under my tutelage, and I will show him you the ropes and tutelage. everything. And, uh, and so they go off trying to find Kanjor Ro. Uh, now, my reaction was, when I heard that, I was like, now, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that before? In Green Lantern lore, Matthew, do we know mm-hmm. Kanjor Ro? Yes, Kanjor Ro was actually, forgive me, I took a bite of pie there. <laughs> Kanjar Ro is actually a Justice League villain. Um, in recent issues of Green Lantern, Kanjar Ro and Bullfunga are the only characters not, spoiler warning, executed by the Alpha Lanterns. He's the guy with the bug eyes and the big sharp nose. Right, and I said that where I know him from is uh, Batman Brave and the Bold with fighting Blue Beetle in those characters. That's the guy. So, you know, we have get that little reference in there. Somehow he uh, knows where the, um, the Cordians are, the weapon makers, which have the yellow element, which can be an ultimate power. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. We find out that Sinestro is... Uh, is really in league in, with in cahoots. Yes, cahoots with Kanjor Ro, and then all hell breaks loose. And action-wise, Rodrigo, a lot of great action. Kind of in the same vein as Wonder Woman, I think a little bit more brutal than it needed to be in in some places. Yeah, there's you know the um, I don't know what what race is Kanjor Ro, some bug being of yeah. some kind. You know, there's a scene where they're at this spaceport trying to escape. And you see a couple of the bug guys jump out and just grab a couple of guys and break their necks right on screen. Mm-hmm. We get to see uh, Sinestro kill people outright just by zapping them. There is a, there's a lot of deaths. There's a lot of Green Lantern deaths, both on screen and implied off screen, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought, you know, maybe a little disturbing. My uh, two-year-old was sitting down and watching us for the <laughs> first couple of minutes. I'm a little concerned because during all the blowing up stuff and the exploding... He just sat there and was rolling on the floor laughing. He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, But then when we, luckily, he went back upstairs. Uh, but this is rated PG-13, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's justly warranted. There's a few colorful language bits, some B-tards, mm-hmm. B-stards, how would we call it? I don't know if I forget our colorful language interpreter that we're using. Oh. Um, you know, and some other, there's some other violent stuff. I mean, there's some... Uh, Hal Jordan uses his human ingenuity to kill Boudica, uh, and she gets impaled, and, and you see that on screen. What mm-hmm. else, violence-wise, bothered bothered you, or did you notice action-wise, uh, really, fight really, scene-wise? The, the, thing, the thing that kind of bothered me was one of the bugs that's hanging out with uh, Kanjaro, um, Hal Jordan punches out, accidentally punches a hole in the hull of, oh, yeah. of the ship, and the bug splatters against it and then proceeds to, in in a th- maybe 10-second death scene, yeah. I mean long, if you consider, you know, how long you have to do things, gets slowly sucked out. If you've seen, I forget which uh, edition of Aliens, Aliens 4, hmm. Aliens 5, one of those two where it's the, like the, the hybrid. Hybrid human alien. Yeah, yeah where there's this little pinhole in the hull of the ship that's sucking the air out, and she just, Sigourney Weaver just kind of pushes it up against it, and it just slowly gets sucked out through that little tiny hole. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this scene felt like. Yeah. 
That was a little disturbing. But it was a little much, I thought. The action-wise, I just thought the action was really good. I mm-hmm. thought the story was well-paced. Um, I don't think that it, to me, it didn't drag. No. Because it was um, essentially introduction of the hero. The hero is tried to be turned away. The hero is set up um, as the villain. Then, of course, as, as always happens in these stories, the true villain is revealed the hero fights to get his ring back mm-hmm. and then ends up saving the day in the end. Mm-hmm. Couple of uh, animation wise, what did you think? Art wise? Um, I like the design. I definitely like the design of the whole deal. I felt that at times the quality of the drawings dropped. Oh, really? I, I thought there were parts where I was like, what is happening to that guy's, to, to like Paul <laughs> Jordan's face? Yeah, there are times that it very. It, I want to say it's very anime-esque in places mm-hmm. where it's the sharp kind of nose, you know, that long drawn out kind of nose and the kind of over-exaggerated expressions you'd see in, in like episodes of Cowboy Bebop or something. Mm-hmm. And at times that's what it really felt like to me. There's this whole jump station sequence yeah. where they're going through hyperspace and I'm like, man, that's right out of Cowboy Bebop or man, this really feels mm-hmm. familiar. Um, but, you know, I thought it was a, uh, the art wise I liked it. Now, um some people had commented up on the forums that that initial transformation sequence where he goes from Hal Jordan to Green Lantern mm-hmm. felt very uh, Sailor Moonish or uh, Card Captor uh, Sakura or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, I can I can tell that that's kind of where the influence comes from. I mean, that long drawn out thing. But if you think about it, you know, kind of that magical stuff like stock footage that goes into everything. We've seen that in lots of stuff. I right. mean, every time Lion-O powers up <laughs> yeah. the Sword of Omens, it's the same thing. So is it anime-ish? Yeah, because that's where we've seen it most recently, but we've seen that kind of thing before. I, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all because no. once he turns into Green Lantern, we don't have to see that transformation sequence anymore. Right. Uh, there is one final transformation sequence at the end where Hal Jordan essentially restarts the... Uh, the power battery mm-hmm. um, by or, punching it. Yeah, by punching it. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's it's we don't see those transformations. There's a transformation where he goes out of Green Lantern power, where the power mm-hmm. kind of wraps around him like a big ribbon. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, that wasn't too bad. Now, something I don't know, Matthew. What version of the Sinestro outfit do you like the best? I actually like the yellow one because Sinestro's general outfit before. Really yeah. looked like a clown suit. It looked yeah, the, like a jester's costume. That's what I was going to say, the blue jester one, right? The black, yeah, the black one with the blue flirbity furbities. Yeah. The only thing it has going for it was that Gil Kane could draw the crap out of it, but most other people can't. Well, Oddly enough, the, the person who drew it best, as far as I'm concerned, Dan Jurgens, who I don't usually care for, uh, did an arc on Justice League maybe 10, 15 years ago where they did a retro Sinestro thing. Oh, cool. And looked really interesting. Well, you will be happy to know that the uh, the costume that Sinestro wears once he gets the yellow power is mm-hmm. the Sinestro core outfit. Yeah. That yellow right, with, the, with the black right, symbol. Right down to the, to the symbol, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. That I do like that color scheme. I mean, it's very, I don't know, it is better than the blue. Mm-hmm. Now, when Sinestro appeared in, I forget what it was, Justice, had to have been Justice League. In the original comics, didn't he have like an elongated head? <laughs> kind of a big 
it, it, it's one of those things that depending on who was drawing it, like Namor, you know, he either had a big triangular head or he had a flat top and elongated skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in here they've kind of drawn him like a normal, regular head like we saw in the Justice League uh, animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of miss that long, kind of tallish head that we see. Lord head. Are the comic books still doing do, do him that way? With that, D- It kind of depends on who's drawing him. Um, what's his face? Ethan Van Skyver <laughs> used to draw him with a big board Ethan head. Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah, Skyver. Skyver. Whereas um, the guy who's doing Blackest Night now, when he was on Green Lantern for like 12 seconds, drew him with kind of a, a less elongated skull, but still a big, tall head. Mm-hmm. He's got, he kind of looks like David Niven if you blew his head up like a yes. balloon. Yeah, that's that's the kind that I like. That's not what we get here. It's just the normal shaped head. I think it makes him a little scarier to be normal, to have a normal head. I think it's entirely possible that people would be like, eh, cone heads. And it, it, it may be like the, you know, the skin color change for Abensur. It may just be for clarity for the people who aren't mm-hmm. as familiar with the weirdnesses of comics or the excesses. Well, I guess that's what I was going to get to in a moment, this change of Abensur, who in the comic book was this red alien. And for those of you that have seen it in the four-minute preview, he's got mm-hmm. these bony protrusions coming out of his face and... He doesn't look like the Abensur a lot of us know as the a simple red-skinned human type mm-hmm. uh, figure. It's always kind of troubled me. Why is that? that? Ab- Abensur is not a Corrigarian like uh, Kat Matui and like Sinestro and like uh, – what's her face? Uh, Dr. Thingamabob. Oh, what the, is current one, the current uh, one that's in Soranic, with uh, – Soranic Natu. Yeah. She's the one that's dating Ion. Or who used no, to be Ion. Yeah, sleeping with Ion, who yeah. actually was recently revealed, spoiler alert, to be Sinestro's daughter. Yes, yes. Soranic Natu, but I'm not sure where Abensur is from, and yet he has that same kind of magenta skin tone that you see on most of the people from Korrigar, and it kind of bothered me that you'd have two major characters from different planets who are that same color of pink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you don't see you it know? here. This is a very, I don't know, what what would you kind of describe Abensur um, he looks like, you know, the, the Namoidians from episodes one, two, and three, like the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the trade federation guys. Yeah, he looks like yeah. those guys, except kind of a warm color and it has like spikes coming out of it. I was going to say somewhat in between that and the, um, the drain eye from world of Warcraft, uh, mm. thinner, you know, like a thinner version of that. Uh, so that, that's interesting. The one that I was. Evan is apparently from the planet Ungara. Well, there you go. What space sector that would be in. Space Sector 2814. That's the same one that Hal Jordan's from. Right. That's why he was Hal Jordan's predecessor as the Green Lantern of 2814. Right. If you were disappointed. Duh. Space is listeners, big, Stephen. I know. Really, really big. big. I mean, Man, you, can't you can think about it for big. years and you would never. But I think the, the thing that troubled me the most is when you think of the Quartians, what do you think of? Um, that Weird terrible Yankovic here that looks like he's taking a dump. <laughs> okay. Big bulgy eyes and yellow skin and pointy ears. And what about uh, spider legs? That would be the Spider Guild of Vega to me. Yeah, that's what they did with the Cordians here. They they don't have they they kind of take that helmet that would thrust out you know up top and that's kind of like ears on these characters. Mm-hmm. They kind of have the same facial features but a little bit more gaunt. But then once you get down past the waist, it's like six eight-legged spider things, mm-hmm. which was really strange to look at. 
reactions oh, I, on on your part, Rodrigo or Matthew? I, I wasn't I wasn't familiar with those guys, so you know they don't even refer to them as that. They call them the weaponers. weaponers the whole yeah, time. but they keep calling them the weaponers of of Cord. That's that's mm-hmm. their official title, but. Well, the weaponers of Cord are the guys who throw lightning bolts in the brown uh, lederhosen. Yeah, no, these guys aren't even them either. No. No. So that was, I mean, character-wise, there's a lot of changes in the aliens. Mm-hmm. Certainly if you look in the uh, in a lot of the um, uh, Green Lantern Corps, you're going to see the, what's the what's the young girl that was always hanging out with Tor- Tomar Ray or Tomar, what's Re? They Ar- call them Aresia. Tomar Ray. Yeah, which she, I always call them Tomar Ray. That's what I always call them too. So if you're trying to figure out what the correct quote unquote air quote <laughs> pronunciation of of some of the Green Lanterns are, you'll hear it in in this movie. So you've got her, you've got Tomar Ray, you've got the big round guy mm-hmm. uh, that's essentially the ball. You've got the squirrel, Chazalon, uh, I believe, is the big round guy who was the ball. You've got the squirrel, like, which is what Chip, Chip, Chip. Um, of course, Ape. you've got uh, Kilowog is there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and of course, you scatter in the background. You'll see all the all the rest of them that that you know. Um, right. So that's kind of a nice thing to kind of watch out for. What mm-hmm. did, what are voice acting wise? I thought it was I thought it was real good. Um, I'm a fan of uh, what Christopher Maloney, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a good job as Hal Jordan. Um, who, wait, who did who did I catch? I was like I was like who. Uh, like, are you thinking Tomarie? Oh, Tomarie would. Uh, oh, John Larroquette. John Larroquette as as uh, as an orange parrot with a fin on his head. <laughs> uh, for those people that are into Battlestar Galactica, Trisha Helfer plays uh, Boudica. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, Michael Madsen was um, um, Kilowog, mm-hmm. which you know if you know Michael Madsen's face or uh, sound, his voice, uh, you hear him in that. And you just I expect it to be a lot more gruff. Uh-huh. The one that I was kind of most disappointed for in the voice ca- casting area was the Guardians of the Galaxy themselves. Uh, not the Guardians of the Galaxy, the the Owens, the mm-hmm. uh the little blue guys. Right. They did not sound old. You didn't think so? I didn't think so. I I expected you wanted them you know, to here, sound like Stan Lee. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is You these... wanted them to sound more Jewish. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> these guys are Infinitely old, mm-hmm. right? And yet they sound like maybe sixty-five-year-old guys. Mm-hmm. They don't sound like Hal Jordan of Earth. You must save us from. Well, I don't want them to sound like that, but I just expected a. I don't. You know what... rotten Green Lanterns! I'm keeping this frisbee. I didn't mean like Grandpa Simpson's of kind of stuff, but I mean, I just <laughs> I expected some kind of more. I don't know, ominous. <laughs> wizened i mean really i always picture the the guardians of oa to actually kind of sound like little gnomes like hal jordan <laughs> sinestro for your crimes against the green lantern corps we hereby banish you <laughs> you are banished to sector 666 where you shall be tied to a thingy <laughs> you know Wait. I don't know. Is that oh, no, we represent the guardians of the universe? The guardians of the universe. <laughs> now, Matthew, how do you expect the guardians to sound? To me, the guardians should always sound arrogant and vaguely British. But I'd like to hear like that. A, a Maurice Lamarche kind of a Green Lantern of Turth. You, you are a stupid, bad effeminate. But then I always have that problem where English people are kind of condescending. You know who I'd like to hear? 
has Who? the voice of a Green Lantern, Who? now that you mentioned Oh, no, I, I've lost the name. Uh, he's that English dude. Rex Harrison? Yeah, I know this name. Rex yeah. Rex Harrison from... Uh, he played Henry Higgins in... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rex, the Rex Harrison sort of voice, that upper crust received pronunciation, and he should be very, very much an issue. Green Lantern of Earth. What Wait, about that's... Dick Van Dyke? Uh, how you doing, Mary Poppins? Hello, Mary, Mary Poppins. Hello, hello, Owens. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello, Green Lanterns. Uh, uh, so the first book, the first law Votes the for women, darkest is... night. Votes for women, <laughs> darkest night. As lucky as lucky can be. And the second law of the book of hour is... I just... Uh, that was my... That was if there was one voice... Boy. If there was one voice casting area that I, I thought... I just didn't didn't ring with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was good. I mean, the, they were good characters. Uh, they were kind of all. Uh, there wasn't enough differentiation between all their voices to really tell them apart. That that was kind of an issue, and there was all of them were different, mostly by their hair. Right. Like they each had like different hair, right. so you could tell which one was it's which. Like everybody was bald except for what's his name, Ganthet. Ganthet. And he's the and, one with the shock and, of hair. And the lead guy. Yeah. Because there's like a central guy, a bald guy who's like the the mean the grunch, guy, the grumpy one. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ganthet, who's like Doc. Right. Right. Yeah. If you were to put them all <laughs> as the seven dwarfs. Uh. Yeah. So we didn't have a chance. This is a two disc set that we got, and this literally came in about two hours before we sat down to record this episode. So we haven't had a chance to go into uh, disc two, and really what we didn't have a chance, we may have to pop this in here in a little while, Rodrigo, exclusive sneak peek at DC Universe's upcoming Superman, Batman, Public Enemies movie. (laughs) Uh, Disc two has a behind-the-scenes story with Jeff Johns, the New York Times bestselling writer, discusses the mythology of the Green Lantern. Now, that's actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a Duck Dodgers series episode called The Green uh, Loontern. Which Green, was a pretty good one. It is, actually. Uh, Green Lantern core character profiles and Sinestro, the Guardians of the Universe. And then there's a Bruce Tim presents two bonus cartoons uh, also on that bonus disc. So Nice. Um, so, I, you know, looking at this, this comes out next week on the 28th, like I mentioned. Um, I say Unless go out. Unless that's in the past. Well, in which case, it's already out. Rush down to your store now and pick it up. I really right, enjoyed right. this. I'm going to give it, if I'm going to give it a meatloaf rating, our, our patented major spoilers meatloaf rating. You can't steal it, it's ours. <laughs> I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four slices of meatloaf with a little extra ketchup on the side for mm. you. Just that little extra, little extra flavor. I thought it was that good. I, if Again, if we go back to some of the other movies that have come out, I liked Wonder Woman better, well... I think I like this one better than Wonder Woman. Mm. So this one would have to be of the ones that have come out recently, the ones that we've watched, except for the uh, 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 New Frontier Mm -hmm. is my favorite. This one would be number two. Wonder Woman would be number three. Um, The Batman one, four, and then the Death of Superman, five Mm -hmm. in that list. I like this a lot. I like it too. I'd I'd give it three and a half. There were enough things about it that didn't that I didn't quite like. I thought the animation was shaky at times. Mm-hmm. You know, great action, but anytime that it was just the character sitting down talking, people's faces started to warp sometimes in yeah, a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Um kind of uh, they are really I think at this point pushing the line of 
let's get into the story at, at, at the expense of character development. I mean, you don't... Possibly. I mean... I, Hal Jordan does not change in the trajectory of this. The Owens change, and they come around to realize that Hal Jordan is the awesome guy that yeah. they didn't know he was. But there's actually no character development well, for anybody and I in guess this. It, it depends because, you know, there's the whole part where Hal Jordan is suddenly... Uh, thrust upon with this great power, mm-hmm. and then the 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 Green Lantern Corps come down, and essentially they're trying to say, "Give us back the ring! Give us back the ring! You're coming to Oa with us!" Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And so right away, you know, how kind of when he first is introduced, he's very cocky towards them. Oh, I think I know how my power ring works. You don't need to bother me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kind of cocky that way, and then. His next real exposure to how the Green Lanterns operate is when Sinestro takes him to that bar, mm-hmm. and he's essentially beating the crap out of everybody there. That's what it reminds me of a very a lot. Uh, and so, you know, you can kind of see in his expressions that he's like, what kind of group have I hooked up with? These guys are essentially, he's not saying it, but you can kind of read it in his expressions and how he's viewing the actions that are going on. Is this the... Is this the team that I've joined up with, these thugs that are essentially beating up prisoners to get information? Mm -hmm. And you kind of see him stick to his guns of, you know, this is the right way to do things. He is, it just seems like he's very character driven of, of uh, this is the right way to do things and I'm doing things the right way, rules be damned. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's not a lot of change that occurs in him. Uh, but I think he comes off as just he's this heroic character anyway. Yeah. But I do see what you're saying about, you know, he's the one that doesn't have a lot of character development in, in the movie. Right. So, I mean, I actually, I think I liked Wonder Woman a little better than this, but not by much. I thought I thought it was pretty strong. Yeah. M- Matthew, uh, if you get a chance, this, uh-huh. is, this is available on DVD. It'll be available on iTunes and I believe probably on your uh, video on demand. Uh, next week. I would say check it out. Cool. The other thing that we wanted to talk about in this issue, which is something we've been trying to get to for like two weeks, but we just haven't Ten had a chance. years. Well, it's actually a book 50 years in the making. Well, 50 years. More like 40, but it's Philip K. Dick, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the comic book <laughs> version by Boom Studios. Now, what they've done, if you haven't checked this out, this came out last week. What they've done is they've taken... Philip K. Dick's words, word for word from from the book, from his novel or novella. And they've put them on the page and they've got some great art uh, by Tony Parker. At least I thought it was very good art Mm -hmm. to accompany it. And it is the book. So if you've read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, you're really not going to get anything new except for the illustrations that go along with the words. Uh, But if you are only familiar with Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep through Blade Runner. Blade Runner. You are going to be in big trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, Matthew, your wife said earlier Philip K. Dick's uh, book rocked. Yes. What are your, yes, what are your thoughts on, on the Philip K. Dick um, story? Because it is that. I mean, we are essentially reviewing the original story. Mm-hmm. With some cool it's, pictures. It's, it's one of those things where I have to start with a different story. Okay. Um, Bruce, who is also known as Prisoner, uh, Otter Disaster yeah. in the forums. Yeah. Bruce used to live with a man named Chris, and Chris used to swear that he hated the Beatles. And I'm like, how can you hate the Beatles? He's like, I hate the freaking Beatles. And I finally got him to explain to me why he thought he hated the Beatles. And he said, 
Uh, I've heard it all before. He sounded like Torque for a second. <laughs> and the thing with this story is if you go into it with the wrong mindset, like I kind of did, you're like, well, this seems extremely familiar. And the reason it seems extremely familiar is because it's incredibly influential right. on things you've already read and seen. Right, yeah. right. So you have, you have to take it from the perspective. It's kind of like, you know, you're driving a classic car. So, yeah, you don't have air conditioning and the seats don't move, but you're driving a classic car. So you have to take it on its own merits. You can't necessarily try and break it down and say, well, the Matrix was like better than this, man. Because, you know, if it weren't for this, there wouldn't be a Matrix. So mm -hmm. right. I liked it, but uh, my initial thing was like, man, some of this seems familiar. Oh, yeah, people have been ripping it off for years. <laughs> yeah. Rodrigo? I'm, I'm, I actually haven't read the short story. Yeah, neither have I. So just, just jumping into the book was really interesting. I've seen Blade Runner and found it... Um, boring. <gasps> That's right. No! Call it call it a generational thing. In wonder, fact, let's wonder, call it a generational thing and get it out of the way. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if people who were born after that movie came out don't like it. When did that movie come out? Like 82, I want to say. Yeah, then I was born after that. Um, Wait, if the movie had come out in 85, you wouldn't have been? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Weren't you born in like 1996 or something? I keep getting younger and younger on this show. <laughs> you should show. take that as a compliment. I, I guess so. You're like 12, pretty, right? Pretty, so, pretty soon Julian is going to be picking on me. <laughs> so then what are your thoughts then from, from reading the the words, the, the story itself? Is it an interesting story to you? It was. Honestly, it. Uh, I have this thing where I'm not very good at reading books without pictures. So this is kind of like <laughs> reading a book that's just very heavily illustrated. Um, it is a lot of Philip K. Dick's original narration on no, I it. Think it's, I think this is word for word. Um, so you get kind of what you were missing from Blade Runner, aside from the fact that it's, you know, straight up a kind of a different story altogether. Right. Um you know, just that very dry description of things yeah. and that, that makes you feel the, the, the horrible hopelessness of the of characters. The, the, the dystopian future. Yeah. So that that really does something for it because in a comic book, you know, all the panels are relatively small. Right. You might not be able to sense the crushing despair that should mm -hmm. be that should be um obliterating your soul and being able to just Read Philip K. Dick telling you how bad you should feel is nice. Well, especially when they go into great detail about how the war and the, you know, and the the gray snow that falls over the city and how mm -hmm. here's this megaopolis that, you know, a third of it is filled and they live in a building where maybe a third of the units are filled. And these are, you know, huge buildings. Yeah. And how everyone just feels so bad and, and android sheep become stat or not... Um, not android animals. animals, real animals become status symbols. And this whole feeling of, you know, life sucks. And then you jump into this Bible verse, essentially, of the man crawling up the mountain as a sense of this is what drives you and what should keep us going on, mm -hmm. which is contrasted with, I, I don't know if he's the devil figure, the the other TV guy um, that's on there that, uh, I forget what his name is. I don't have it here in front of me, but. It's it's just a really interesting contrast in how I don't know if the future would ever be this way. It seems odd if it was. It's really kind of different than what we I think we perceive the future as being. Where if you 
although, you know, he's talking about you're using these devices to dial in a mood. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got pharmacies that do that now. Well, you have to remember that this is the future of the 1980s. 1960s. Of the 1960s. Yeah. I, you know, that, that happens. The future goes back and forward between... But, but I will also argue that this is the future of maybe the 19... Still, because even for the 60s, this was ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, even even in the 60s, you weren't getting too many stories about dystopian futures. Yeah, 1968 was um, when this was. It, so, you know, the future always goes back and forward between being, you know, the shining yeah, future that, that, that we should all hope for and the, the, the inverse of that. You know, it goes from being what we should try to achieve to what's probably going to happen, you bastards. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Star Trek, Max Headroom, bam, 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 back and forward. Yeah. So then they then they take the text and they pair it with these images by uh, Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. What are your now beyond, before we combine the two, Matthew, what are your initial thoughts on the overall art? Uh, I don't hate it. I really don't. But it's in that strange neutral zone for me. Where there is, there's a point where something is too realistic for me. Mm-hmm. There's a point where, and, and the you know the example that I always use is an Al, the Alex Ross covers for Justice League, right? Where Star Girl is quite clearly a 16 year old girl, right? And I don't want to see a 16 year old girl get beat up. I have a little bit of that here. It's not like super photorealistic, which is good and bad. Generally, I liked it. But there's some, I guess, stiltedness is kind of the way that I that I have to put it in certain places for me. Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I, I don't I know if it's if it's from. the if it's the art mixing with the words, or if it's just you know, because the the art is very fitting for most of the tone of the story. But yeah. there are times where it feels like there was a lot of you know, we're we're blocking this panel this specific way, and it just kind of felt like, but it's right. I mean it's good art. I would say on the on the on the five scale just for the art alone, the art's at least a three. Rodrigo, I think I like the art. I liked it just fine. Um, I wasn't terribly impressed by it, but I never felt that again. You know, there's a lot of times when you pick up a comic book, and sometimes you pick up a comic book by you know, well, no, I was gonna say by an independent publisher, but the big two are just as guilty of this. <laughs> yeah, and it it, it just, the art just sucks. You know, people, you know, they don't. Characters don't maintain their face throughout, right, and right. this is not and, an example of it. This is fine. Yeah, if if people like, I guess if you read the boys, mm-hmm. it's that kind of an art style throughout the book. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I would compare it to the to the most. And I think the art is fine, is just fine too. It's just a weird. I mean, there's, I don't know, with this kind of a style, I just expected more detail in the background, especially. You know, we're living in the future with flying cars. Honestly, and, and I don't get the sense number one that there's a lot of stuff. And number two, if half the city is empty, I just don't get the feeling that the city is falling apart because it's spelled out in the book that, you know, there are buildings that are literally crumbling. And I don't get that in in this. I don't get that feeling here in this first uh, installment. Well, honestly, I think it's partially because the text and the art are competing. Yeah. There is so much text that even physically in the page... Yeah, they are competing for just space, right? And not only that, but also the text is so, like, draws you so hard into it 
that it is entirely possible to just read the text boxes and not look at the pictures. Yeah, and because this is the actual, I mean, they're not editing the, the Philip K. Tick, uh, Philip K. Dick text. In fact, mm. here's just a panel. Um, we've got uh, Deckard uh, sitting up in bed. His wife is laying in bed, and he says to her, "I'm not a cop." narrator box he felt irritable now although he uh hadn't dialed for it she says uh you're wor- oh, well then word balloon the wife says you're worse uh narrator caption his wife said her eyes still shut i mean that's how truthful that they are to the book but the problem is it's kind of a you know in or- including the stuff like his wife said her eyes still shut mm-hmm. uh, we can see from the word balloons that she's talking and we can see from the images that she's still laying in bed and maybe we can't get her eyes exactly. But to me, that was just that kind of threw me. It's like, what? It's it's an interesting experiment, I think. It's it's a similar thing to what they were doing. And and, and interestingly enough, they're doing this with sci-fi. Right. Because that uh, like Classics Illustrated thing that I reviewed mm-hmm. a few shows back did the same thing. It was H.G. Wells War of the uh, Worlds. narration. Yeah. yeah. In word balloons with the pictures to go along with it, kind of. Yeah. I mean, that was basically what it was. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of this interesting new thing that they're doing with comic books. I don't think it's going to last, but it's going to be... Um, it, it's interesting, and it's a style. Yeah, it certainly is a style, and it, it's certainly unique. I think we had Dr. Peter Coogan on a while ago, when or last time, when he, we were talking about um, comics in the classroom and book mm-hmm. adaptations into comics... I really think that if if you were wanting to introduce, and this may be more college level than a high school level, mm-hmm. but if you were wanting to introduce and have an intelligent conversation over Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is maybe a little bit higher than than a high school level reading, I don't know, mm-hmm. at least in some English classes, you know, this might be a great way to start that conversation, to get people into kind of seeing what it's like and then really diving into the material later down the road. So mm-hmm. as an adaptation of a book, well, this is a this is a great without using the word classics illustrated this is a great illustrated example of how a book might be done matthew what did you think of the pairing of the uh of the book and the the pictures i had to take it as an intentional experiment because like you say i mean comic books are with respect to scott mcleod the juxtaposition of your picture and your word and if the picture and the word are doing the same thing, then you're actually doing twice the work in a metaphorical and psychological sense. I mean, you're reading something that shows, say, you know, a character with a gun running, and then you have a caption that says, as he ran down the street with his gun. Right. You know, it it's in it's obviously intentionally done. And I think the reason that the reason that I can accept it here is because it is Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. And Philip K. Dick is kind of like, you know, a, a Robert Heinlein type of thing where you can look at his work and say, yes, his words are his words are awesome and his words must be protected. And we're going to do this as a, a, a tribute to his wonderful work. And in that on that level, it works to me. But just as a comic book, as a specific comic interpretation, you're kind of undermining the whole point of the comic you're undermining the whole juxtaposition of the pictorial images and sequence blah 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 so i can definitely see why it was done the way it was done and because i know why it was done that way i can accept it but moreover i can look at it and say you know had they streamlined a little bit less of the narrative if they had streamlined it 
Yeah, it would have been less of a Philip K. Dick's novel, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, oh, I, I totally understand, because if they had gone and really hacked and slashed this, you mm. might be right back to where the problem with Blade Runner was, where it's not, it may be inspired by that book, but it's certainly not Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. <laughs> All right, so the other thing I should point out is people are like, oh, I'm going to wait and collect this in trade. These are almost, these are graphic novels. These are trades. 50, 50 pages or something per issue, and these are in a prestige format. Mm -hmm. I forget how many of these are there going to be. Big four, isn't it? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Part of the reason why we are doing this now as opposed to before is because we were like, hey, let's do do Android's Dream of Electric Cheap number one. Okay. Next day, we like next time we sat down to uh, do the podcast, we were like, uh, did you finish it? No. Yeah, we just <laughs> did didn't you have finish time. it? No, no, because we thought that it was going to be, you know, a quick pages. comic book read. Yeah, and it wasn't. We did not a lot enough time for this. It is a it is a heavy read. It's a thick read. It is certainly, in my opinion, worth four dollars mm -hmm. in this form. And uh, I'm going to give it uh, I'm going to give it four slices of meatloaf. I think it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting way to tell the story. And I think for that experimental factor and the fact that you're getting so much for you know four bucks, yeah, uh, that's why it's getting that that number for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it four slices as well. I think because it's pretty much a direct conduit to the uh to the book plus the some some cue pictures. You know, you really can't go wrong with it. Matthew? I agree. I'm going to go with four simply because of what it is. It, it there there's a point in the stories where you have to look at something and say yeah, what what does it represent? And because right. it is an attempt to do something specific, yeah, I mean, it's a very well done book. It could have been done better, and I might have done it different, but that doesn't change the quality of it. And even any issues I'd have with the art doesn't undermine the fact that it's it's good. Yeah, and I liked it. Excellent. All right, everybody. So there are two reviews for you: Green Lantern First Flight, the DVD from DC Universe, the animated movie from Warner Home Video. Go check that out. And from Boom Studios, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick and, uh, and Tony Parker. I would, if you are, if you make it through the through the book itself, I would say jump in the back and read Warren Ellis's breakdown of the story according to him very yeah, it's fascinating kind of intense right? yeah it's it's really good uh so we are going to take a quick break maybe for you it's a day maybe for some of you it may be a week maybe for some of you it may be right next but we've got another episode coming up just around the corner because we know that you love comics and we do too and we will talk with you real soon uh. <laughs> If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
really think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Start raving rich like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.